Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Hey, it's Curious City's Jason Mark, and our old friend Liz Garibay from the Chicago Museum came to us a few months ago with an idea. Well, actually, more like a theory that's been rolling around in her head for a while. That theory is, most of your favorite movies and TV shows have important scenes, pivotal moments, that take place in a bar. On Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Of course, that was the famous cantina scene from Star Wars, and it shows that bars and taverns are so ingrained in our culture that we imagine they'd even exist in galaxies far, far away. A big part of the Bruseum's mission, in fact, is to show the role bars and taverns have played in the history of our country, in our city, and in our individual lives. Bars can be a place of community where... You wanna go where everybody knows your name. Where big moments happen in your life, good and bad. And it turns out, all of that is reflected in how bars are portrayed in TV and film. So a few weeks ago, Curious City teamed up with Liz and former longtime Chicago Tribune writer Mark Carroll for a live event in front of lots of Curious City listeners just like you to dive deeper into this idea. We called it Suds on Screen, and I'm going to bring you some of our favorite moments from that event right after this break. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curious City today to get 10% off your first month. Okay, so there we were at the Goose Island Barrel House on Chicago's west side. 
cool space filled with a ton of Curious City fans, and we're talking about bar and tavern scenes in movies and TV, and how they encompass all the things, all the events, all the emotions that actually play out in bars in real life. We broke it into categories, like bars as places of community where perhaps everyone knows your name. Evening, everybody. No! Or as a place where tensions run high. No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the f*** am I funny? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the f*** out of here. Tell me. <laughs> I almost had him. I almost had him. Then we drilled down even deeper, and we searched for great scenes, important scenes, that take place in Chicago bars. It wasn't always easy to see our city depicted on the big and small screens. Historically, very few shows or movies took place in Chicago, and even fewer were shot here. That all changed when Mayor Jane Byrne allowed the Blues Brothers to run rampant in Daly Plaza and other locations in the city. So we used that famous film to show its famous bar scene and to demonstrate the category, the idea, that bars are places where outsiders can work to fit into a community. That ain't no Hank Williams song. Hey, why'd they turn off the lights? Yeah, that's right, an R&B and soul band trying to fit into a rowdy country bar. Now, it's a hilarious scene from a classic but ridiculous movie. But Liz Garibay had some thoughts on how outsiders might try to ingratiate themselves with regulars, fit into the community. Like anything in life, if you are uh, presented with someone who is a regular there, that's going to ease your way in, right? But if you're sort of coming just cold turkey, you're going to have to take a minute to prove yourself. And so they did, with the band quickly pivoting musical styles to the delight of the regulars. Taking us past the idea of a bar as a place where you need to learn how to fit in, our guests pulled some fun trivia out about the film and that particular scene. Here's Mark Caro. Uh, I interviewed Steve Cropper from Booker Team, the MGs, who's the guitarist on the far right left facing you guys on the screen. And he said that when they filmed this scene, you know who was actually throwing the bottles at the screen, the fence? He says it was Willie Nelson and Sissy Spacek. He says that they were filming, they, they, that scene, he said they were filming in LA and they were doing Coal Miner's Daughter at the adjacent studio and they came in to watch and John Landis, the director, said, hey, could you just throw beer bottles at these guys? So they never had a shot of Willie Nelson and Sissy Spacek throwing beer bottles, but that's a kind of fun thing to know when you're watching it now. Uh, another fun fact about Blues Brothers is they would film days and then they'd get done, and some of the cast would go drink at the bar across from Second City, which is now Corcoran's. Back then, it was the Earl of Old Town. And because they were sort of well-known by this point in time, they would drink in the little coach house behind it and do all kinds of things besides drinking. And um, the owner one day was like, hey, we don't have a liquor license for that, and we really don't want to get in trouble, so can you guys cut it out? 
And instead of saying, we won't do it anymore, they went and got their own liquor license so they could go drink in the coach house. And it was not unusual for them to not only just be drinking and doing other things, but to have the whole like band start playing back there. So if you were in Chicago at the right place in the right time, you could actually caught the Blues Brothers you know, it was like playing, Dan Ackler's playing a few speakeasy tunes. back there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was. And I think that, you know, it's, there's also a lesson here from that scene, which is, you know, it's good to have your own artistic vision, but, you know, if people are throwing bottles at you, sometimes you have to adjust. From the laughs of the Blues Brothers, we pivoted to the idea of love, or at least hooking up. It's always been true that when you mix people and booze in a dimly lit atmosphere, there's a chance that glances, smiles, and conversation could turn into something more. Liz reminded us that in the 70s and 80s, there were watering holes specifically called singles bars, where the unattached, or those claiming to be unattached, would try to find someone that they were attracted to and take it to the next level. A great example of this was the 1986 film About Last Night, starring Demi Moore and Rob Lowe, a Chicago yuppies looking for love and or sex in the famed near north side bar Mothers. So I, I couldn't help noticing you and noticing you noticing me. There was a clock over your head. <laughs> well, that film, that clip at least, is about the beginning of a relationship. But bars are also places where people express their changing ideas about love and relationships. For example, in this next clip from High Fidelity from 2000, shot in the Rainbow Club and starring John Cusack and co-starring the Wicker Park neighborhood. You want to get married to me? <laughs> I'm serious. Yes, I know. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Two days ago, you were making tapes for that girl from The Reader. Yeah. Well, forgive me if I don't think of you as the world's safest bed. Would you marry me if I was? <laughs> What brought all this on? I don't know. I'm just sick of thinking about it all the time. About what? This stuff. Love and settling down and marriage, you know. I want to think about something else. I changed my mind. That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. I do. I will. Just shut up, please. I'm just trying to explain, okay? When's the last time I went to a Sox game? The Sox. Not when they're playing the Cubs, either. We always do what you want to do, and she always did what you want to do. It's who you are. Everybody thinks that you're, the, you're their friend, okay? But the fact of the matter is that there's not one person that I know that you trust enough to let close enough that they could hurt you. And her big problem is that you, you really liked her. I mean, she is the one girl you really liked. And no matter what she did and how hard she tried, you were never going to let your guard down. That poor girl never stood a chance. That was Chicago native Vince Vaughn and his pal and longtime Chicago resident John Favreau and one of the many scenes shot inside the old school corner joins Skylark from the 2006 film The Breakup. These two put together, you realize that this is where you start and this is where you end up, right? Uh, you're at this singles bar again, back to the singles bar. Uh, Which name that is, bar, please? Uh, Mothers, right? Rush Street, Viagra Triangle today. But then, you know, when you're kind of doing it, doing it, doing it, and it gets old, you realize you sort of evolve in a way, and you're like, enough is enough, and you just kind of want to settle down, and, and I think that that's what Rob is doing in his scene. By the way, uh, maybe the second cheesiest scene in all of pickup movie history, 
follows that when uh, Rob Lowe puts the other headphones on her. Have you guys familiar with about last night? By the way, you should really go see that movie if you haven't already because it also it is a Chicago classic and I think it does a great job of showing off different parts of Chicago. And Tim Kazarinski, um, uh, who wrote it, and Denise DeClue, also Chicagoans, who uh, spent a lot of time at Second City and also would co converse about this script and what they were going to do, um, which was based on David Mamet's play. Sexual Perversity uh, the, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of a different title than About Last <laughs> Night. Uh, um, they would spend a lot of time talking about it at uh, the Old Town Ale House. You don't watch this movie and think, oh, that's David Mamet. Yeah, because I thought that movie was so cheesy when it came out just because I so did not relate to Rob Lowe. Um, okay, but that's where we differ. Uh, John Cusack, we, I went to high school with, but uh, Rob Lowe... I mean, no. when that movie came out, I was like, I really connect to Rob Lowe. And let's be honest, I also really connected to Demi Moore. Yeah, okay. So it was really a win-win situation for me. And the idea of Vaughn and Favreau immersing themselves in Chicago locations wasn't lost on Liz. The thing is that, you know, I say that Chicagoans are fiercely Chicago. The only thing we want to talk about the most is Chicago. So you got these actors and these writers who are off in Hollywood, and often they'll choose Chicago and Chicago storylines as the way to communicate what their characters are doing. I mean, John Mahoney, who, by the way, another great show, Frasier, right, and they had McGinty's, the regular bar there. Like, after that show was over, he came back and just lived in Oak Park because he didn't want to be there, and you know, he decided to just start acting at Steppenwolf, right? So like, I just feel that all of these people who come from Chicago and end up doing all this movie stuff, TV stuff, always sort of have to naturally infuse Chicago into what they're doing. So I love that all of these Chicago movies are actually from people who are from here. Well, and this was when Vince Vaughn was in his leading man stage, or people thought he was going to be, and so it's him and Jennifer Aniston in the breakup, and I'm pretty sure he insisted on it being shot here, so that's why you got uh, you know all that Chicago stuff going on, and has got his buddy Favreau, and they're throwing in the the local references and everything. And I mean, it wasn't a movie that was a hit or anything, but it's got like a lot of Chicago flavor in it. From themes of love and relationships, we started to dive into deeper, more obscure, but nevertheless, absolutely true categories when it comes to the idea of important things that go on in bars that are reflected on the big and small screens. And we call this one, using the bar as your place of business. Here's something from the Michael Mann thriller Thief, starring James Caan. Yeah, Green Mill. Is Frank there? Wait a minute. Frank? Oscar, get Frank. Hey, come back. Telephone. Yeah. Is that you? Yeah, hold on. Do me a favor. Yeah, go ahead. We are on. You understand? Yes. I understand. Well, in the scene after that, that we just the, is then he goes and he goes into the green mill and they, and, and they have a shot of like the green mill, the, the famous facade of it that's still the facade of it 42 years later because this movie is from 1981 and uh, he puts a device in there and then the green mill explodes. Which, um, 
it's bad special effects, so you know it's not really blown up. But um, but yeah, it's funny because this is like a classic Chicago film. I I still rewatching this movie many years later. I still have no idea why he blew up the Green Mill. But anyway. <laughs> The Green Mill is like, it's like it's a bar, but also the bartender, you can you not only have it as your place of business, but the bartender will be like, oh, go get him, he went out. And, uh, and he's like, your secretary too. So I've not tried this at the Green Mill, but in the movie Thief, which is a gritty film, so it must be true, that's what happens. We also made the observation that people who often do business in bars, like in Thief, or like in non-Chicago settings, like the Bada Bing and the Sopranos, or the gem in Deadwood, these aren't people knitting alpaca wool hats to sell on Etsy. These are rough customers, prone to violence. But there's a less nefarious idea about a bar being your office. And although cell phones and smartphones have put a dent in this idea, it's still a fun slice of history. That's definitely something, uh, doing business, if you will, is something that, you know, in the mid uh, 20th century was sort of the norm. You think about maybe your parents, grandparents or something, and I don't know if you've heard stories of like, you know, somebody would call the bar to see if you're there or check up on you. And a, a bar like Simon's Tavern, for example, in Andersonville, you know, if you walk in and you look to the right, there's a big heavy door and there's bars, a window with bars, because on Fridays people would go into the bar and cash their check and so it was like a little mini bank, right? So why not have that? And it was great for the patrons because they could just show up to the bar, make their deal, and it was great for the bar because hopefully the whole paycheck would get spent. That's Liz Garibay of the Chicago Museum from the recent Live Curious City event Suds on Screen. We were also joined by writer Mark Caro. Stick around, we've got more great slice of life moments from movies and TV that take place in bars and in particular, Chicago bars. That's coming up right after this. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I'd never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier, we talked about how the bar can be a place where, after you screwed up a relationship, you can get with a friend or friends and work through how it all went wrong. And that kind of bleeds into our next idea, the bar as a place where deep wisdom is laid down. It is an absolute morality, huh? maybe. And then what? If you think there is, go ahead, be that thing. Bad people go to hell. I don't think so. You think that? Act that way. Hell exists on Earth? Yes. I won't live in it. That's me. Did you ever take a dump made you feel like you just slept for 12 hours? Did I? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Or a piss. That's a great scene from the film version of Chicago and David Mamet's 
Pulitzer Prize-winning play, Glengarry Glen Ross. It takes place in Chicago, but it was filmed in New York. And by the way, that was the most subtle acting that Al Pacino has done <laughs> like in the last 40 years. So he was nominated that year for Supporting Actor for Glengarry Glen Ross and Best Actor for Hua, Scent of a Woman. And he won for the wrong movie in my opinion because I love him in this movie and I could, you know, like the guy from Serpico and Godfather Part Two winning for Scent of a Woman is a bit sad, but... Anyway, yeah, so this kind of combines like these two categories, right? Because it's a place of business because he's selling this guy. He's trying to get this guy to buy his, you know, real estate project. But he's also doing it in the guise of all this deep wisdom being handed down uh, and, you know, some, somehow working into hell on earth and taking a dump that makes you feel like you've slept for 12 hours, which is just one of the funniest lines David Mamet has ever written, I think. And so, Liz, why do you think that a bar is like this place of deep wisdom? I mean, come on. Have you ever had a conversation with a bartender? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, bartenders don't get paid enough because it's like they, one day they're a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, they're also expected to bring you all these drinks. I mean, the, the, bar, the role of the bartender is also one of those things where I hold so sacred because you, I mean, people, man, you got to deal with them all day long. Well, if you think a mammoth film is tense, this one coming up is Next Level, and the category is A Bar is a Place Where Matters of Life and Death Are Resolved. Are you telling me that you're going to protect the other traitor in Gordon's unit? I don't know. He never told me. Listen, Dent, I, I swear to God, I didn't know what they were going to do to you. That's funny. Because I don't know what's going to happen to you either. That's one of the scenes with Harvey Dent slash Two-Face in the Batman film The Dark Knight. The bar it was filmed in is the famous Old Town Bar and Restaurant Twin Anchors. Fun fact, trivia, also, if you ever go to Twin Anchors and you go where at the bar where that scene was shot, they had to repeatedly put the shot glass down, take after take after take, and there's all these little dents in the bar. From... Harvey Dent's, if you will. Oh, boy. Good night, everybody. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, I'm becoming my father in front of your very eyes. Um, the bar is from like 1905, and it's an original bar from, it used to be a Schlitz, there's a Schlitz sign uh, on the side of the bar. And so when the producers were like, oh, we're really sorry, we're going to replace this part of the bar, the owners of Tuzi family were like, no, this is a historic bar, and now we have some movie history in it. So you can go to the bar and see all the little dents. And this isn't something that happens in Chicago so much, but there are sort of echoes of this in, in Westerns. Um, and I know that you have one that you like in particular, but there are a lot of Westerns in which the saloon, as opposed to the tavern, is where these matters of life and death are adjudicated uh, with guns, usually. Often the bartender, the wise bartender, maybe doesn't come out so well, like in this scene. And other times, you know, the bad guy doesn't come out so well but but that's you know sort of another trope but it's your the bar is like this is where it happens and there are many but i gave a shout out to three of my favorite shootout in a bar scenes there's the epic tension-filled ending to clint eastwood's unforgiven and two john woo films the killer and hard-boiled both featuring the dashing and deadly chow yun fat 
Finally, let's get rid of all the heavy stuff, let our hair and our guard down, and recognize bars as a place where people can just cut loose. In A League of Their Own, Madonna, yeah, that Madonna, lets it rip with some classic jitterbug moves. That scene was shot at the famed live music watering hole Fitzgerald's in Berwyn. Fun fact, Fitzgerald's was also the filming location for the Chicago Blues Club scene in the 1987 movie Adventures in Babysitting. In more recent times, the second season of The Bear had an episode where Tina Marrero, the rough-around-the-edges sous chef, gained some self-confidence and allowed her softer side to show through. That was filmed at Alice's Lounge. It's a karaoke bar on the northwest side. Well, it was great to hang out with lots of Curious City fans and a blast to see all these Chicago bars used in different films and TV shows. We recognize that taverns and bars are important places to connect with each other and how it all translates into and permeates our pop culture. Once again, Mark Caro. I think that what's interesting looking at all this stuff together is just how... You know, there are scenes that are shot in, you know, take place in people's living rooms. There are scenes that take place in restaurants or sports arenas or wherever. And there is just this giant subset of scenes in bars. And I feel like I'm going to sort of look at them differently. But, I mean, you had Archie Bunker's Place, the, the sequel, the spinoff to All in the Family for other for old people. That was also in a bar. And Carol O'Connor was also in the movie Return to Me, Bonnie Hunt's film, that was all set in Twin Anchors. And, and the fact that when we say Twin Anchors, a lot of people are like, oh, it's because, I mean, it's a tavern because it is food, but it means something to us that goes beyond, that's just a place where you go grab a quick beer. Now, real quick, before we wrap things up, don't go anywhere. We thought we'd give you a little bonus material. I reached out to longtime friend and Chicago native Mark Roskin. Mark's been an executive producer or director for many projects in Hollywood. His credits are long and varied, and more locally, he's directed episodes of Chicago PD. So I asked him, from a filmmaker's perspective, what is it about bars that move a storyline forward? It's a place where you either meet new people. It's a place maybe you fell in love. It could be a place where you got into a fight. Uh, There's so many things that can happen at a bar. And this is what he's looking for when searching for a great bar in Chicago as a location for a scene. You know, for me, when you go into a great Chicago bar, you're going to see people of all different classes. You know, you're going to see the guy who's maybe uh, just got off of work. You might see the businessmen who are, you know, working in the financial district, getting their martinis before they go home. Or you might be just seeing the guys sitting at the corner drinking old styles, watching the game on the TV. Just a melting pot of everybody in Chicago. 
And when the crew filming Chicago PD is done for the day, where do they go to kick back? Well, it turns out they go to a place on the south side called Turtles. One of the show's producers lives in the neighborhood. It's like his place, and everyone who works there treats him and the entire cast and crew like family. Curious City is produced by me and Joe Dassault. Adriana Cardona-Magigat is our reporter, Maggie Sivet is our digital and engagement producer, and Susie Ahn is our editor. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. I'm Jason Mark. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.